The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, AJ Salveson. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on a Wednesday. It's an in-the-know Wednesday here on the Full Court Press, doing what we can to get you in the know for what's going to happen this weekend between Utah State and Colorado State. Uh, A lot of different stuff. You'll hear from Coach Gary Anderson. You'll hear from Coach Mike Bobo. you hear from players. We've got an interview lined up with Kyle. Not Kyle. Kelly. Kelly Lyle. That was a combination of two names. Kelly Lyle will join us. Later on this hour, he's a beat writer for the Colorado one, follows the Rams in Colorado. So he'll share with us his perspective on what's been going on with this season so far for Colorado State. Uh, and uh, doing what we can to get you best prepared for the matchup coming up on Saturday. Reminder that our sister station, KVNU, they'll be doing KVNU game day. That'll start at 3.30 on Saturday. Even with inclement weather, they'll still be broadcasting live at Locker 42. They're on the south part of Logan, right there in historic downtown Logan. And so that'll be going starting at 3.30 to 5.30. And then um, when it's all said and done, turn your radio back on and they'll be doing KVNU Aggie call, taking your calls about what happened in the stadium. So uh, a lot of different things to get to before then. And that's why we're here. And that's why we have the interviews that we have and the audio that we do have the stats, and the analysis. Uh, Also coming up today on Wednesdays, it's the most exciting middle day of the week with the KVNU, or KVNU, Full Court Press movie quiz. Ajay, it's your turn this time, and uh, I hope it's good. Yeah, because you've been in a grumpy mood all day. I've been You've been really salty towards me. No, I have not. I have not been salty. I got a question. What? Hey, I was just wondering what? No, it's not. Hey, what do you think? Oh, just zip it doors. (laughs) (laughs) That has been Eric today. So it was really odd to be able to come in and be like, hey, everybody, how are you? So good to have you on our show. When really what he was saying is, What? I'm just not even going to respond. Yo, I wouldn't either. I would feel bad if I were you too right now. Hey, also, I'm just going to move on because you're just awkward silence over here. Uh, we're also going to hear from <laughs> Alfred Edwards. I had a chance to talk to him yesterday. Well, you talked to him. Uh, he didn't really talk back. <laughs> he's not necessarily a man of many words. Yeah, he's okay. pretty quiet. Yeah, okay. he is pretty quiet. Good dude. Um, I went to shake his hand and his hands in the, all wrapped up. So we just kind of bumped forearms like, uh, yeah, okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, so we, I spoke to him. I also spoke to Jalen Warren and Shaq Bond. You'll hear from those guys tomorrow. Can't give it to you all at once. Got to spread it out. I got to spread out the love. Got to give you love. reasons to tune in tomorrow. Plenty of good reasons to tune in tomorrow, especially our pick six, which, by the way, you still owe me. What? 
What? Yeah. Pay up, sour squirmer. Did I lose pick six? Did you lose? Yeah. We never really got into that on Monday. Yeah, because you wouldn't let me. so much You kept rudely interrupting me. Oh, we had time, and you rudely interrupted me. Time and time again. Uh, I should have gone with my gut on a lot of these different things. Your gut's bigger than your brain, so you probably should have. Ah, sorry. It served me well. That was a low blow. Sorry. That was a low blow. That was a really that was a really low blow. Uh, Eric, Colorado State Rams this Friday night, five thirty, as you already mentioned, pregame three thirty, locker forty two. You'll be there, Craig Kislip, Al Lewis, and then make sure to tune in after you get your postgame thoughts in. Uh when what we hope is to be an Aggie win. Eric, when I look at Colorado State, um, they can run the ball well, but their run defense really sucks too. Uh and so if I'm looking at film and I know that Colorado State probably sees it too, but you just know that they can't <laughs> They can't stop you on the ground. Not with backs like Warren and Bright. If Darwin Thompson was playing this year, he'd probably have about 250 yards rushing versus Colorado State. That's not an exaggeration, too. Colorado State's run defense is really, really bad. It's porous. So they've had two teams run for about 240, 250 yards on yeah. them. And then Toledo ran for over 400. Oh, man. And the things that Toledo was running, when I watched the film of the, of the Toledo-Colorado State game, uh, a couple things stand out. One, all their runs were not fancy, Eric. It was it was it was dives up the middle through the A or B gap, or it'd just be a stretch run around the outside. And then they he and then the running back would beat not only the linebackers to the outside, but then the defensive backs took the worst angles, the worst angles at the running back. Look, the sideline never misses a tackle unless you play for Colorado State. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I don't know how you could be so bad at taking an angle to tackle a running back. I mean, you, you, you're the furthest one away. You should be able to take a good angle and get them. But for whatever reason, I mean, they, they are like missiles just launching up to the line of scrimmage. Then they realize, oh, wait, he's already outside the pocket. So then they have to go outside and chase him down, and there's, there, it's not even close. I mean, the third quarter, watch the third quarter alone, and you'll see how bad the run defense is. Um, Colorado State defense gives up a ton of points. The crazy thing is, in their losses, they've given up more than 40 points, but they've scored more than 30 as well. Here at Utah State, I'll tell you now, Utah State will score over 40. They aren't giving up more than 30, though. I will be flat out, this is way too talented of a defense to do that. You're right. This is a Colorado State team that has problems defensively, but they have shown an ability to score. Uh, so the real question is, for me, the, the, the key matchup isn't so much you know, how will Utah State handle their passing offense and, and their running game and what they try to do offensively. The, the thing for me is, how well will Utah State shut them down? I mean, they have a running back, uh, Marvin Kinney, uh, Kinsey, excuse me, Marvin Kinsey Jr., he's halfway to 1,000 yards already. He's already rushed for over 500 yards. And we're only, what, four games into the season? Mm-hmm. So uh, he runs the ball well. Uh, there has been a, a change at quarterback uh, already. Uh, their their starter, uh, hit, uh, Hill, got hurt. So Patrick O'Brien came in, had his first career start last week. Um, 
And so there, there's a change there. He'll look like he was going to be a really good quarterback. Went to the Manning Academy with Jordan Love. Yep. Went to Mountain West Media Days down in Las Vegas. He was going to be their guy. He's out. But this, uh, so now Patrick O'Brien is in there. And uh, so last week he was kind of thrown into it. Now he's had a little more time settled to be, okay, now I know I'm the guy. So what will he look like Saturday? That's a, that's for me, is a little bit of a question. So how does the defense handle a, a new quarterback, maybe getting a little bit more settled, and an offense that has shown the ability to move the ball? They just don't know how to close out games. They have been in almost, in all three games that they've lost, they have been in those games in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter. They've either been ahead tied, or just a few points behind. But in every game, the opponent has scored at will uh, and just really run away from things in the fourth quarter. You bring up a great point, Eric. I mean, you look at those three losses. Uh, in fact, you're right. All three losses early in the fourth quarter, if they were trailing, it was by less than eight points. <laughs> Here's the final score for each of those losses. 52-31, 55-34, and 41-35. So the Toledo loss is the only one that actually they, they hung around. The other two, they just fell apart. And I really think it's the run defense. I'll go back to that a lot today. You're going to hear me talk about that a lot today. That it, when you have a running game that is effective and productive with, I mean, three to four or five yards a pop, it's going to exhaust the uh, rushing or the uh, run game or the run defense. That's what I feel like they did with uh, not so much Colorado, but Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas warmed down with the run. They just said, forget it. We can't throw the ball, so we're just going to run it. And then all of a sudden, they had, like, I think their final six or seven first downs for Arkansas were all by runs, and were all over, and were all over 12 yards. Like, they just figured it out. Like, hey, look, they can't stop us in the running game. And that's been that's a key point. Now, going back to your comments about uh, Colin Hill being out, O'Brien being in, um, Interestingly enough, uh, you know, Colin Hill did a great job of using his feet, getting out of the pocket, and then making a really accurate throw. Uh, I, you know, I think back to that, that Utah State game last year. I sat there in the corner of the end zone and watched him twice on the run make accurate dead-on throws. Uh, and, and that's what Colin Hill was good at. Patrick O'Brien can use his legs, but he'd rather sling it. When he throws it, he has got a missile of an arm. I mean, he can... It's a frozen rope, at least 30 yards. He's got a really good cannon, Eric. Yeah, um, and the Mike Bobo uh, this week in his press conference talked a little bit about Patrick O'Brien, his first career start, and kind of how he saw what he could do and where maybe he can go from here after that uh, first game he got to play as a starter, even though he's, he's a junior. Redshirt junior, this was his first career start at the college level. He was disappointed, you know, that he didn't lead our team uh, to victory. Uh, do I think he did? I think he played well. I thought he played very well. Do I think he was a little off at times early on? Yes. Uh, you know, accuracy is something that we're going to continue to work with him and improve. I think a lot of it had to do with nerves. And you go back and look at his footwork at times; his feet weren't underneath him. Uh, and I think we will prove. I mean, I mean, really, this is the first guy game the guys played, uh, except for mop-up duty. I think against Minnesota or somebody when he was at Nebraska uh, since high school. You know, so uh, it's been a long time. And I thought he performed very well. I thought he put us in a position to win a ball game. 
uh, there at the end of the game and did a, did a nice job. Yeah, and again, that's your first game. It's going to happen. There's going to be times where you don't set your feet in the throw. It's going to be bad reads, throwing errors. It's, it's going to happen. But like you said, that I mean, now he's coming into his first full game. Time to prep, time to prepare. He'll get a lot of reps. Um, I'll, I'll, you'll see a better version of Patrick O'Brien this week. Probably. But I still think Utah State's defense takes very good care of, of uh, the scoreboard. And I, I think they force O'Brien into mistakes. They're going to show him coverages that he's never seen before. Justin Enna and Coach Enna is really good at bringing things that you've not seen before. And I think they're going to do that to O'Brien. He's, uh, he's going to probably be skittish. And look, when you have Tipanale chasing after you, you're always looking over your shoulder. When you have David Woodward roaming around the backfield somewhere and you have to keep an eye on him, you're going to lose track of him. When you have guys like Shaq Bond, DJ Williams in the backfield, uh, you're, I mean, they're going to disguise themselves really well. I think in that regard, I just, man, I just really like Utah State's defense and, and their opportunity in this game to be able to make some big, big plays. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that, that um, the, what they've shown over the last few games here is that they've got a lot of playmakers at a lot of different positions. Utah State does. And uh, they're, they'll be able to get after it. So the question is, uh, we've seen some nice progression so far with the Utah State secondary. They'll be tested more this Saturday than they've been tested since week one. So how is their progression? How well are they doing evolving and getting better what they need to do? Um, but that being said, some of the targets that O'Brien likes to throw to won't be there. One of their leading receivers, Warren Jackson, he's out. Uh, he will not be playing this Saturday. In fact, uh, Coach Bobo went through and updated a, a number of different players who are out, and some he's not sure if they'll be playing Saturday or not. Warren Jackson is doubtful. Marvin Kinsey is doubtful. Toby McBride is questionable. <laughs> Hubbard, I would say, is questionable. Andre Neal, I think, is probable. <clears throat> Sorry, I shouldn't <laughs> laugh. Are you serious? Warren is doubtful? Warren Jackson, so he is the number two wide receiver. Dude, he's a monster, too. Who else did he talk about? Marvin Kinsey is doubtful. Marvin Kinsey, who is their stud running back, who's got over 550 yards already on the season. He's doubtful. Toby McBride is questionable. He's got to be an all-lineman, right? Tubby? Tubby, Tubby McBride. Uh, well, there's Trey McBride, who's a tight end. Let's go with that then. Okay, we'll go with that. But he's a call him Tubby. Try calling him Tubby. Uh, not to his face, but Tubby. Okay. Hubbard, I would say, is questionable. Hubbard, that's another one that's uh, questionable. Um, Hubbard is a defensive tackle. For Colorado State, he's a junior, six foot, two hundred eighty-six pounder, and then one more. Andre Neal, I think, is probable. Probable. So Andre Neal, he'll probably play. Oh man, if Warren and McKenzie he's a, are, he's one of the cornerbacks, dude. If Warren and McKenzie are both out, that's going to put so much pressure on O'Brien. That's going to put a ton of because look. Utah State has now proved that they are, they're fine being challenged in the run game. That's no problem. Like, you want to challenge them? Do it. 
bring on the dogs, all right? I, I do it. And let Nick Kennedy, let Chris Sunga, let Tipinale, David Woodward just rack up numbers on tackles. And tackles for a loss, by the way. If they put pressure on O'Brien in the passing game, this thing could get ugly really quickly for Colorado State. Eric, that's that's huge. Warren Jackson, big body, big target. Oh, dude, he's a monster. Six foot six. Oh my gosh, he's I didn't junior, know he was going to be doubtful. A lot of experience. Uh, Mike Bobo said that somebody else was going to need to step up, and really pointed to Nate Craig Myers, six two junior, who um, five five catches so far on the year. In comparison to Warren Jackson, who's had 31 catches on the year, he's definitely been the main target. But Bobo talked about Craig Craig Myers, who will likely have, a, an ex, as he called, an expanded role on Saturday. I would think so with, with Warren being doubtful that, you know, Nate Craig Myers is going to have to play a play a bigger role in the offense. Is he fairly versed in your offense? Oh, yeah. He's, he understands what we're doing uh, offensively, and, you know, he'll be, he'll be ready to go. Is that an odd question? What did he ask? We're a month into the season, and is he fairly versed in your offense? Is he fairly versed in your offense? Look, I asked... What has he been doing? No, stop. Did he just all of a sudden come out of a UFO and land on campus this last week? I can't comment on this, because I asked Nick Kennedy what his thoughts are on LSU. (laughs) That's true. And he gave me a glare. This isn't the first time a reporter has asked a silly question. <laughs> um, but not if, if Warren Jackson does not play. And if McKenzie's out. If Marvin out, Kinsey dude, does not play. They're done for. Wow. Yeah. Who's their, uh, in fact, I have it right here, their depth chart. So Marcus <laughs> McElroy is the backup running back. And... So far on the year, um, he's tallied 17 carries for 87 yards. Uh, Dante Wright uh, also carries the ball and and runs. Uh, He's a wide receiver that they'll use as kind of a a speed scat option. Um, But he's got seven carries for 95 yards. Um, But... uh, I mean, yeah, Warren Jackson had 12 catches for 132 yards versus Toledo. And he's doubtful? Oh, boy. Yeah, Marvin Kinsey Jr., uh, 68 carries, 556 yards, three touchdowns so far in the year. He's averaging 139 yards a game. Very impressive. Wow. Uh, Marcus McElroy, Jalen Thomas, uh, the, the load kind of gets split between the two of them, 17, 16 catches, or, uh, attempts or carries, respectively, in their running game. And then for uh, wide receivers, at Warren Jackson, 31 catches. Uh, Dante Wright has 21. Um, and then Marvin Kinsey Jr., uh, out of the backfield, 11 catches. So uh, that's two biggest offensive weapons are may not play. Andre Neal. Warren Jackson is doubtful. Marvin Kinsey is doubtful. That's unreal. That is huge. That's not good news. 
When did that come? I didn't even know that. Wow. Now, this is what Mark, uh, Coach Bobo said on Monday during his press conference. So uh, we've seen this at Utah State uh, we're many different times over. Bobo talked about it as well. You have to have that mentality of next man up, who's going to fill that role and uh, take care of things for the Rams. We just lost our quarterback the week before. And it was next man up, and you know we didn't change our expectation or our standard of how we expect to move the ball on offense, and that's not going to change this week. It's rough being a Colorado State fan right now. You lost your quarterback. Oh, your man. top running back is doubtful. Your top wide receiver is doubtful. Uh, we'll get an idea on what that – any update on those injuries are from uh, Kelly Lyle coming up here in just a little bit, but whew, that's rough. That's rough on the Rams. Uh, more from Coach Mike Bobo uh, and what he thinks about Utah State, what he thinks about uh, Jordan Love, uh, Gary Anderson, and players weigh in on what their thoughts are about Colorado State. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll also do the Full Court Press movie quiz. All that's coming to hip and an interview with Kelly Lyle. He's a beat writer for the Colorado one. It's all coming up right here on an In the Know Wednesday on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, Utah State, getting ready for Colorado State. Doing our best to get you in the know for the matchup coming up on Saturday. Interview with Kelly Lyle coming up here shortly. Kelly Lyle or Kelly Lyles? I think, I don't know. We'll find out. You don't know. You set it up. Yeah, but I still don't know. I didn't be like, hey, is it Lyles or Lyle? All right. Is it Kelly or Kelly? So, Is it a C or a K that starts? All right. So, Is it two anyway, L's or one L? Utah State, Colorado State. Get an update on the injury situation. Sounds like a lot of injuries going on with the with the Rams so far. Uh, certainly, we've been spending a lot of time talking about the offensive impact of some of the guys that may be gone or out or questionable. But there are some guys on defense that are also uh, hurting. Probable, not sure. Uh, defensive tackle and a cornerback. So we'll get an update on the injury situation going on in Fort Collins. Uh, but also looking at what does um, what does this team look like with some of the changes that have happened here recently with some of those injuries that they've already had to go through. Um, <coughs> and uh, Coach Bobo says that uh, his, his secondary, there have been some changes there and some problems in their secondary and says that they continue to have to make some adjustments uh, and uh, hope, he thinks he's seeing some small improvements. You know, guys, guys, guys struggling to get beat on the deep ball. Andre Neal being down. Keevan has practiced really, really well. Uh, has you know made plays. You know he's been our starting gunner. Now he's on, on the kickoff team, uh, and then put him in position to uh, you know play some DB. Keevan, you know, got sick for a few days in camp, and then went to his dad's Hall of Fame deal. He got a little bit behind, and I think. You know, he's catching up now. And you're going to see that with freshmen. You know, 
you know, we're week, we just finished week four, and where they are now compared to where they were two weeks into camp is light years. And, you know, that's why we continue to develop them. Sometimes they're just not quite ready, but, you know, where they are now or where they are in a couple weeks is going to, you know, be huge. You know, and it's an interesting thing. Compare them from week one to week now. They're a different team, and I would say they are worse than they were at week one. Um, they went toe to toe with Colorado. Yeah, like we said, three yeah. three quarters, and things just got away from them. They were toe to toe with Arkansas until, like I said, Arkansas just kind of took the game and put it on the ground. And Colorado State's run defense just can't stop can't stop a chair standing in front of them. It's amazing. Yeah, I think yeah, and then. So what Toledo do you do? Just ran the ball all over. What do you do if you know that you have a great running game? Well, if if you're Coach Anderson and Coach Sanford, and you have a great running game, but you know Colorado State knows that as well, and they're probably going to stack the box. Do you still throw the running game at them and say, "All right, we'll still try and stop us," or do you say, "Forget it, we'll just go through the year with our five main weapons and the best quarterback in the conference"? I think you still try to. They've shown. Colorado State has proven that they're not great at stopping the run, and so uh, I think you still go to it. Like we're still get, we're going to do this until you can figure out a way to stop it. And if you start to slow us down, that's okay. We got lots of weapons around to do it differently. That that's the great thing about the way Utah State is built right now. But yeah. I think that you run the ball until they start to slow you down. I know we got to call uh, Kelly here really quickly, but I just got to say. If they do have success running that, you know, starting off with the running game, the Aggies, I'm telling you what, that first play action that they throw at Colorado State is, oh man, at least two guys are going to be wide open about 30 yards away from everybody else for a touchdown. I'm just saying, like, the the very first time of a play action, just expect someone to be wide open because they are going to bite very, very hard on that run. All right, conversation with uh, Kelly Lyle. He's right. He's a beat writer for the Coloradoan, and to get his updates on the injuries that are going on in Fort Collins and what he sees on the horizon between these two teams facing each other Saturday night. That's coming up next, right here on the Full Court Press. Yankees, Jazz, high schools, even the Pee Wee's T-ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, the Fan. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. It's an in-the-know Wednesday here on the Full Court Press. Utah State, Colorado State, kickoff at 5.30. Homecoming game. A lot of festivities going on this weekend. And certainly the, the capstone to all that is the football game. Interestingly enough, uh, this is a when it comes to homecoming games, Utah State and Colorado State are very common. Yes. Yep. <laughs> play each other a lot on that day. Absolutely. Uh, another, another it should be another good matchup. We're excited to excited to have that uh, the matchup take place again five thirty uh, Saturday evening here at Maverick Stadium. So let's get better acquainted with this Colorado State team. Uh, beat writer uh, Kelly Lyle. Are you serious? <laughs> it was right in front of me. Then shame it on you. What is? I almost said Chris. Our poor guest. Oh my Kelly. gosh, Kelly. Thank you for your patience in dealing with. <laughs> My lack of having notes in front of me. <laughs> but but no uh, thanks for joining us, Kelly. I, I, this is 
This is interesting for me, and I think for us, seeing what's going on in Colorado State, that uh, it seems like what they're going through now is, we've seen this before at Utah State, where injuries seem to cascade the number of key people getting hurt. Uh, it seems like it can be hard to get out of that a little bit. But what to what degree are the injuries with some of these key guys. We just heard a, a bite. We heard something from uh, Coach Bobo from his press conference earlier this week. The top running back, top wide receiver, uh, already the quarterback is out. W- what's the injury situation look like at Colorado State right now? Well, they're just, uh, you know, to both uh, Marvin Kinsey, the running back, leading rusher, was playing with an injury last week that he apparently aggravated um, in the game. So uh, we didn't, uh, you know, trainers actually kept him from participating in post-game interviews with us because he was in getting treatment. Um, so he's been listed as doubtful this week. Uh, and then uh, Warren Jackson took a uh, took a blow to the head that, uh, honestly, after going home and watching the uh, – the, the replay, the TV replay from the ESPN2 telecast, I agreed with the commentators. There probably should have been a targeting call on the play. I mean, he guy went helmet to helmet with him as he was coming down with a catch late in the game, and uh, so he's undergoing concussion protocol. They will never actually say anybody has a concussion anymore. They say they're undergoing concussion protocol. I'm sure it's more to avoid future lawsuits or something, but nevertheless, He's out most likely for this game, has not been practicing the last two days. Um, you know, Marvin Kinsey's been doing some walkthrough kind of stuff. Hard to say for sure if he's going to be out, but, uh, you know, Coach Bobo has said he's doubtful. And then they lost their starting quarterback, Colin Hill, to a third ACL tear in four years in the wow, Arkansas man. game. And, uh, you know, he was having a, a great start to the year, even though the team was struggling a bit. Colin Hill was putting up some really good numbers and doing a really good job running the offense. And uh, he took a shot in the knee that, uh, depending on whose viewpoint you look at, whether it was accidental, um, as Mike Bobo believes it probably was, or as many Colorado State fans say, it was a cheap shot, intentional helmet to the knee after he was re- released the ball. I don't know. But nevertheless, he tore his ACL and is out for the year. Um and it's the third time in his career he's torn this ACL. So uh, they're they're definitely down some people. At the same time, they're not, uh, you know, they're not all. They still have a fair amount of offensive talent. I mean, they were able to plug in Patrick O'Brien, a quarterback. He was a four-star prospect when he came out of high school, top ten national court-rated quarterback who went to Nebraska originally and uh, had been come here and sat out last year as, under transfer roles and was battling Colin for the starting job, just didn't get it. But uh, he's got a really strong arm. Um, we saw it in this last game where he got to make his first start for the Rams and, uh, you know, um, threw for quite a bit. I don't remember his exact numbers for this game, but in one-plus game because he finished up at Arkansas, he's got 540 passing yards, so he's no slouch in uh, two touchdowns. And then uh, – you know, and then at running back, uh, you know, Marcus McElroy was going to be the starting running back going into the season, and Marvin Kinsey beat him out at the last minute. But Marcus McElroy's healthy, and he's going to be going. You know, he'll probably pick up the carries that Kinsey doesn't get. And then at receiver, they got Nate Craig Myers, an Auburn transfer, um, last week for the first time. He had to sit out a calendar year since he had played his last game at Auburn, and so he was just now eligible for this Toledo game, and this will be his second game this week. And uh, he's obviously pretty talented. He caught a a Hail Mary pass right before halftime that was, uh, you know, almost got himself into the end zone, but uh, 
he had five catches for 88 yards in his first first game really in the, in a year. So there's still some good offensive weapons here, even with those injuries. But yes, it's not the guys that they started the season with at those spots. Uh, Coach Gary Anderson was very complimentary of Patrick O'Brien and his skills. He, he especially talked about his arm strength. He's able to sling it everywhere. What have you seen out of Patrick so far? And are there any similarities between him and Colin Hill? Uh, you know, there, the similarities is the arm strength. I think Patrick O'Brien might have a stronger arm than Colin Hill. Colin Hill had a strong arm, but Patrick O'Brien's got a rocket of an arm. Um, some of those passes he made last week against Toledo, especially late in the game when they're trying to get a desperation touchdown at the end, a potential go-ahead touchdown in the final 30 seconds, um, were some really impressive throws. Um, so he's got great arm strength. I think his biggest handicap compared to Colin Hill is he just doesn't know this offense quite as well. Colin Hill has been around it for four years. There's a whole lot of things Mike Bobo has his quarterbacks do as far as, you know, he doesn't, the coach doesn't call a play. He calls a package and it's up to the quarterback to get them in the right play, the right direction, whether it's a pass or run based by what he's seeing from the defense, what the proper pass protections, all those things. And and, and Patrick O'Brien knows those things, but I don't think he knows them as well as Colin Hill. So they might not always get into the best possible matchup, the best possible protection against that defense or run the best possible routes against that defense because he may not make the right calls because he's not quite as familiar with it. I think that's the biggest difference we're going to see between the two. They're both very capable quarterbacks. Uh, Plenty of folks who've watched, you know, a lot of NFL football, um, coaches, scouts, others tell me they're both legitimate NFL talents. Um, They have the ability to play at the next level. So we'll see. You know, we're talking to Kelly Lyle. He is a beat writer for the Colorado one. And uh, we also understand there's some injury issues on the defense. Uh, looks like Andre uh, Andre Neal out for the year, or is that uh, something where he may be able to come back? You know, we haven't been told the status of his injury. He's doubt he was given as doubtful, I believe, for this week. Um, so I haven't heard it. I haven't certainly haven't heard that he's out for the year. Um, I've, you know, he's out for this game. I'm pretty certain there's a couple D linemen that are questionable for this game. Uh, one of them, Toby McBride hasn't played for the last two games because of a concussion protocol again. Um, and, and the other one, Ellison Hubbard, uh, left, left the game late with an injury, an ankle injury. Hard to say for sure. I, my gut feeling is that Ellison Hubbard will play. He might have a little extra tape or a brace on that ankle, but he's probably going to play. He's one of their interior linemen and a, a fairly good one and a guy who's played a lot for the Rams in the last couple of years. And so, uh, so they're a little dinged up. They're probably no different than most teams are by now, though. You know, Colorado State, this will be their fifth game of the season. So, you know, they, they were already more than a third of the way through the regular season, and that's kind of what happens in football. You lose some guys. In their case, they lost three really key people on the offensive side, or at least lost one for certain, and the two others are uh, at least doubtful for this game. Uh, you know, we're looking at this Toledo team as a whole. They... I mean, they've been in a couple of games. Even the games that they've lost have actually, uh, not Toledo, excuse me, Colorado State. Wow. Uh, we were just talking about Toledo. Uh, sorry. Looking at Colorado State, they, they've been in, even in the games they've lost, they've still been in them, I mean, late in the third, sometimes into the fourth. What's happened when, how the games got away from Colorado State in those losses? 
really the biggest issue they've had too turnovers you know they're uh, i believe they're now minus seven on the season in turnovers and uh so turnovers and uh and penalties have hurt them and then their defense has really really been susceptible to giving up the big play and at the worst possible times um they've just you know toledo scored three touchdowns the first on its first nine offensive plays in of the second half the other night. And, uh, you know, Colorado State matched the first one of those touchdowns but couldn't match that the rest of the game. Um, kind of the same thing happened a little bit against Colorado. It was a huge turnover that was brutal, um, you know, questionable. Um, Mike Bobo actually probably – He's never confirmed it, but there's a good chance he got fined for criticizing officials afterwards for suggesting that they needed neutral officials and shouldn't have had Pac-12 officials in that game because um, his runner, he argues, was definitely down and the whistle was, had already blown, stopped for forward progress when the ball came loose. That was a huge turning point in the game that was tied at that point. All of a sudden, instead of Colorado State having the ball to start the second half, Colorado's got the ball at the Colorado State 20-yard line and quickly put up a you know, a go-ahead touchdown and then kind of rolled at that point. Those types of things. Arkansas, it was, uh, you know, Arkansas it wasn't a turnover per se. Well, I'm trying to remember now. It was kind of the same thing. The little one thing goes wrong and then it just kind of snowballs on them. And I think some of that is what happens when you have a team that's gotten used to losing. You know, Colorado State has lost eight of its last nine games overall and really eight in a row to FBS competition. The only win they've got in that stretch was over FCS Illinois State a couple weeks ago here in Fort Collins. Uh, and, me, Western Illinois, Western uh, Illinois. Sure, Illinois, a, a, Illinois Western, East, or Northern, right Southern, it's all the same thing, right? <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, another thing that stood out to me is when I watched that Toledo film, the wild third quarter that took place in the game was just nuts, something I really haven't seen a lot of. But their running, I guess their running defense seems to have problems. Why is that? that that's a good question. They seem to still be really struggling to figure out who's supposed to be where um, against the run. And uh, that was a problem it was a problem two years ago. They fired the offensive. They fired the entire defensive staff at the end of the year, and that was a seven and six team that went to a bowl game. Oh wow! Um, and Mike Bobo fired his defensive coordinator and entire defensive staff because he was so frustrated by their inability to play defense and uh, get their defense in a better position. Brought in an entirely new defensive staff last year, and uh, everybody was absolutely convinced they couldn't be worse. And guess what? They were. They were worse. Um, and now that same staff is in year two. Um, you know, everybody was feeling good about what they showed in the spring and fall camp. And all of a sudden they go out now and this is a defense that is, uh, you know, given up, I believe over, I don't have a number, roughly 50 points a game. If you take out the one FCS opponent in there, yeah, that's right. um, you know, Illinois, when you take Western Illinois out of the equation, they've given, this is a team that's given up a ridiculous number of points, 52 to Colorado, 55 to Arkansas, and 41 to Toledo. Not a good defense by any stretch, and they're giving up 500-plus yards a game. Kelly, I want to pivot to what happened last year. Very close game, and ending on a referee review that went Utah State's way. It seems like those usually go against the Aggies. It was odd that it actually went in their favor. I'm sure that stung really hard in uh, Fort Collins. How much of the memory of that game has stuck with that team coming into this matchup on Saturday? 
You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know how many guys are uh, going to remember that. How, but that was a huge one. You know, Colorado State had a bad season last year, and that was a game that you know could have at least left them with a little bit better taste in the mouth late in the year to have beaten Utah State here. You know, it's very debatable. Uh, I, I was right there for video as to whether Preston Williams stepped out of bounds or not. I happened to be standing there and videoing the play because it was right at the end of the game. Um, you know, it's it's honestly, it's one of those that probably 10 people could look at the replay and five would say he was out of bounds and five would say he wasn't. <laughs> um, it was that close. You know, it was, his foot was right up against that white line, but whether it, there was a white blade of artificial turf on the either side of it is what you'd be arguing one way or the other. And, uh, and it was, you know, I think it was a very demoralizing loss for Colorado State at that point. And certainly they ended up ending their season on a five game losing streak. That would have been a nice, uh, nice win for them to get in the middle of that to, uh, have maybe been feeling a little better about themselves going into the off season. At the same time, they use that game repeatedly in the off season as, kind of their argument that, you know, as bad as things were last year, this team never gave up. They were still playing hard right up to the end. So uh, in in some ways, they tried to find a positive out of it. But I think it was a very demoralizing loss for the Rams and uh, and certainly for their fan base. I think the fans in particular, that one just really stung because they really thought they had seen it. They were watching an amazing comeback and then to have it taken off the board. You know, I was I was there in Colorado Springs. I was actually in the corner of the end zone where the uh, Hail Mary happened. Uh, and I remember everything. It was clear as day. One of the more wilder games I've ever seen in person. Were you there in person? What do you remember of that? For uh, last year's game? Yeah, sorry, for last year's game in, in uh, Fort Worth. In Fort Collins? Fort yeah, Collins, Colony. Uh, well, that's I just, I remember, you know, watching this, you know, again, Preston Williams makes a catch and, uh, he looks like he's going to get into the end zone and, and he did get into the end zone, but then they show that it looks like maybe he stepped out of bounds um, prior to making the catch. That was the big question. And then the, the question is whether he was forced out of bounds or whether he was, you know, it, he, whether his own momentum took him out of bounds. That was the ultimate question. The referees really had to decide, but he didn't go out by much, even if you watch it over and over again. And uh, it was, it was, it went from absolute euphoria among Colorado state players and fans to all of a sudden it gets ruled an illegal catch by a guy who was out of bounds by his own choice, not forced out and everybody, you know, and the call gets changed and it's on the last play of the game and it completely changed everything. And to an extent, the Rams just had that happen against Toledo. Um, not quite, but you know, they ended each half against Toledo with a hail Mary hmm. pass where a guy was stopped half a yard short of the end zone in each case, basically at the two yard line at the end of the first half is where, uh, where Nate Craig Myers, the Auburn transfer, came down with the ball, couldn't quite get into the end zone. And then on the last play of the game, E.J. Scott catches a ball at the five-yard line and is trying to run it in and uh, gets stopped about half a yard short of the end zone on the final play of the game. So, um, you know, those games are – that's what makes football exciting finishes like that. But Colorado State kind of feels like they keep coming out on the wrong end of these. Kelly, final question. You've been so generous with your time, and we greatly appreciate it. Final question, what are your three keys to the Rams getting out of Maverick Stadium with a win? Uh, their offense is going to have to be efficient. They can't have penalties. They've got to reduce the number of penalties, and they cannot have turnovers. They've got to, Colorado State's got to win the turnover battle to have any chance of winning this game. 
and their defense has got to at least get a couple key stops. They don't have to hold Utah State scoreless or anything like that, but they've got to at least get a couple critical third down stops, make some key stops at key times to give the offense a chance to retaliate. And and then the offense, like I said, is they've got to have at least some semblance of a run game to keep the defense honest against the pass. And they've been doing a decent job of that offensively this year. The biggest question for me is if Colorado State's defense is going to be able to at least – somewhat corral that Utah State offense, and I think that's a tall task. Hey, really quickly, do you think McKenzie's going to be a big part of the game or the running game will be a big part of the game for Colorado State? Or without the running back, do you think they're just going to they're gonna just try to put it through the air and try to beat him that way? Oh, the, they won't change their play calling if Marvin Kinsey's out. Like I said, okay. Marcus McElroy was going to be the starter going into the season anyway. It wasn't really until until right before the opening game that Marvin Kinsey moved ahead of him, and Marcus McElroy was battling a little bit of an ankle sprain at the time. So they were almost interchangeable through spring drills, through fall camp. Um, so they're not going to change their game plan any. Uh, McElroy's a little bit stronger, maybe not quite as fast, but uh, in some ways he's much more of a between-the-tackles kind of runner that you really could establish a better run game with. He, he seems a little bit more durable. And then uh, I personally, despite them saying that Marvin Kinsey's doubtful, I've got a hunch he's going to find a way to play at least some. This guy wants to play. He's a senior. He's finally doing the things he hoped he could do in his career at Colorado State. And uh, I got a feeling that uh, he's going to go ahead and play, given that the injury that's bothering him wasn't from last week. It was really from two weeks ago, and he played last week and played very well despite it. Hey, Kelly, thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All right. Take care. Yep. That's Kelly uh, Lyle of the Colorado and does a great job. It's good stuff. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, that's really, really good, good stuff. stuff. I really enjoyed that. So uh, we'll, we'll break some of that down. And more comments from Coach Mike Bobo, from Gary Anderson as well. Continuing to get you in the know for this matchup coming up on Saturday night between Utah State and Colorado State. Homecoming for the Aggies. We'll continue to break it down next here on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Aj Salveson. That was an interesting interview. Kelly Lyle with the Colorado one. He suspects that Marvin Kinsey Jr. will play. It's fair enough. I they, they need to get a win badly in conference play just to jumpstart this team one way or another. Just to, just to check their pulse. I mean, they just need to see they have a pulse left here. And if uh, they can get something out of him, that's better than nothing. They'll they'll take it. I mean, 30, 40, 50 percent McKenzie. Right now, more than anything, that tells you how desperate they are for a win. Well, it was interesting how he describes Marcus McElroy as well. Uh, here was a running back that came into the season who could have been the starter, could have been the starter, but it was just beaten out by Kinsey. But uh, McElroy, he's 5'11", 228. He's a junior, um, and uh, he has been used this season, uh, 17 carries uh, so far on the year. So... Uh, that that running game will still be a part of what they try to do offensively. This this Colorado State team, even despite some of these injuries, have shown they can move the ball. They've shown they can get into the end zone. What they haven't shown is an ability to stop an opponent. 
Uh, interesting to get his comments about what happened last year in Fort Collins. Called it a demoralizing loss. Um, that uh, they really felt like they had got them the victory, and uh, they didn't. And things started to really unravel for them. They had a bad end of the season last year, and they've not really had much success yet this year, at least not in getting what ultimately matters, and that's a victory. Yeah, and, and that's what they, I mean, like I said, they're in desperate need of. It's just a win. Even if they can somehow keep this close, I think it will bring positive momentum for this team. Uh, but you like, you like you said, penalties, turnovers will absolutely kill them. It's been an issue all season long, and they don't, and they need to avoid that uh, this week versus a, a very, very opportunistic Utah State squad. Well, and their problem with turnovers is fumbles. They haven't been able to hold on to the ball very well. Uh, they've uh, put six balls on the ground, um, and so they're minus seven uh, in that category. Um, they ha- and they don't have very many takeaways. Um, they've uh, gained two fumbles that they've been able to pick up on the ground, but um, but they've they've given up a lot, a lot, uh, six fumbles, three interceptions. So, yeah, their ability to hold on to the ball and uh, avoid catastrophic turnovers has been problematic for them this year so far. Yeah, and it, it just again, it's an opportunistic defense. If you if you make a mistake, whether it's by a throw that shouldn't be there, or you you know you hit, you let the ball come out too far as a running um, as a running back, or if you're a ball carrier in any way, shape, or form, Utah State's going to make you pay for that, and it's going to turn to a turnover, which will turn into points for Utah State, which could easily easily lead into a route, and you don't want this game to get ugly early, especially when you're on the road. Yeah, short field for Utah State is. Could be a really thing, a big thing coming up on Saturday. Hey, by the way, really quickly, Melvin Gordon is about to end his holdout, and he'll be joining his uh, Charger teammates hopefully for this Sunday. Ooh, that's huge. That's they, huge for they San Diego. Use him. They need him. We're L.A. Uh, coming up next hour, the Full Court Press movie quiz. What what classic? Oh, I'm so excited about this one, Eric. Movie will AJ try to even if you with? know it? I'm still excited to act it out. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm pretty stoked. And we'll hear from Alfred Edwards. Uh, one of the, the only returning offensive linemen, one of a few returning offensive starters for Utah State from last year. We'll hear from them next, coming up next hour. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. If you didn't stay up late, the Diamondbacks beat the Cardinals in 19 innings last night. It was a long game in what has been a long baseball season. There's a saying that pro sports seasons are a marathon. Baseball seasons are ultra marathons. While national attention has shifted to football, baseball is playing out the rest of its regular season schedule. Feels like the playoff narratives have been set for a while. The Yankees and Astros appear to be on a collision course in the American League, and we'll see if the Dodgers can try once again to win the World Series. But as the long season has gone on, other contenders have emerged. Last season, it was the Boston Red Sox and then everyone else. This year, it feels like there are a handful of teams that are dangerous. I know it seems like it takes forever to get there, but just like that Diamondbacks-Cardinals game finally ended, the regular season is almost done, and everything is going to ratchet up for what should be an exciting baseball postseason. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. 